NFTs, Web3, the metaverse. These terms have become all but inescapable over the last few years. So what is an NFT? And how can a digital token affect your business's IP and brand, both in the metaverse and the real world? I'm Amy Kotman, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. On today's episode, we're diving headfirst into the metaverse to discuss all things IP and NFTs, including how they could be crucial to your brand. Our guests today are Jerry Ferguson, a partner in our digital assets and data management group and the New York digital assets and data management leader, and Dr. Scott Duke Commoners, who is a professor at Harvard Business School, where he teaches courses on Web3 and marketplace design, and also a research partner at A16Z Crypto. Welcome to the show, Jerry and Scott. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having us on. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking with Scott today about NFTs. I always feel smarter after a conversation with Scott. (laughs) And thanks so much for having me as well. I always learn a ton from talking to Jerry. I'm really excited to be here. That makes three of us. Scott, from a technical perspective, what is an NFT and what are some different ways in which they can be used? Awesome. So an NFT is fundamentally a digital record of ownership. Uh, typically stored on a public ledger called a blockchain. And, you know, you can think of them a little bit like a digital deed, right? Fundamentally, you know, a deed is a piece of paper or or now often already a digital record that grants the holder ownership of a given piece of property. Maybe it's a house, maybe it's a car or something of the sort. In the same way, NFTs are digital records that can be sort of associated to other assets, whether they're digital assets like images or other media or even physical assets. But an NFT, you know, sort of lives in a software network and often ownership of an NFT is sort of publicly accessible and verifiable. So you can sort of see who, you know, who owns each one, which means that you can actually like build software features and and even, you know, sort of physical tie-ins on top of them. Uh, So for example, if I've created a stop motion animation of like a, a cool raccoon, you know, maybe he's a, a little cartoony raccoon who like, you know, jumps over, a, you know, a fence and then like, you know, takes out a guitar and starts rocking out or something, I can create that animation and then associate it to an NFT. So I, I mint, that's the process of creating an NFT. I mint an NFT associated to this animation. And now I can like post the NFT for sale on any, you know, various uh, different online marketplaces. And someone like Jerry, if they like my animation, could come by and like acquire the NFT. They can, they can buy it from me or from whoever holds it currently. And now he owns the digital deed encoded in the NFT. He owns the asset and is interpreted as the owner of the, the animation as well. So some NFTs are used just in this way. They're in effect like a, you know, just a, a token for transacting. They just have this digital deed functionality. But you know, maybe Jerry buys my animated raccoon and like really likes it. And one day he calls me and says, Hey Scott, you know, this raccoon of yours is really awesome. I feel like I could see it on t-shirts. I feel like I could see it, you know, sort of all over the internet. Maybe there should be an online game. And I'm like, wow, you know, you're totally right. And so I create a new series of NFTs. We'll call them the really awesome raccoons. So, you know, new set of NFTs, each one associated to a, a different image of a raccoon in that same style. And that can sort of serve as the foundation of a whole product ecosystem. Uh, maybe we'll call it the Raccooniverse. And how do we do that? Well, I start issuing new products and features to people who hold the NFTs. So maybe 
if you log into an online metaverse platform and you you are the holder of the NFT, it's it's attached to your what's called a crypto wallet, which is like your access to a lot of different crypto assets. You connect your crypto wallet to the metaverse platform. You can see that you have a really awesome raccoon. And now suddenly your metaverse character can dress up as a raccoon. You can basically press a button and it will load your raccoon character on top of yourself. And and you can be a raccoon in in various metaverse worlds. Or maybe I hold like a real rock concert, you know, sort of rocking out with the raccoons or something. And, you know, everybody who has one of these NFTs can use that NFT as an entry ticket. So they can basically prove that they own a really awesome raccoon and now they get to attend the concert. I think an important point too, Scott, is that this whole exercise you're describing, this brand building exercise, what what we're seeing is that established brands can have a real head start. Yeah, so indeed. So there's a sense in which the, what these NFTs are doing to some, in, in some sense is like creating physical assets in digital space, if that makes any sense, right? In the same way that like, you know, physical property, you, you own, like it's tangible and you can do things with it. And you could, you could take a book or, or wear your really awesome raccoons t-shirt from, you know, from place to place here, same thing, right? Like if you hold an NFT, it can in principle have a lot of different uses in many different digital contexts. And so one thing it's doing is giving established brands, you know, a, a beachhead into digital space. People can take their fandom and, and, you know, and excitement about a brand and start to display that through a variety of new digital assets built around NFTs. You hear many brand owners describing their brand as a lifestyle brand, and they are really developing a community of followers of their brand in a very conscious and intentional way. And what I hear you doing is kind of describing how that brain building strategy can be extended in a metaverse and an NFT environment. Exactly. That's very much the way to think about it. You know, when you have an NFT, especially, you know, since, since most of them are on these public ledgers, they in effect create naturally a network among all of the holders, right? All the really awesome raccoons holders can find each other and interact. And so really like, you know, these digital assets can become part of their, you know, their lifestyle, their their public identity online, and also enable them to form community with other enthusiasts. Just as, you know, if you're fans of the same sports team or band or something, you might bond with other people you see at a, at a sporting event or a concert. Here, you can bond with the people who are representing their raccoons digitally. And, you know, People use it as their profile pictures or feature it in other social media or who, you know, where they're, you know, sort of where an image or, or uh, 3D realization attached to their NFT and digital uh, metaverse platforms and worlds. As a spinoff, the holders of the really awesome raccoons would be airdropped a raccoon hat that their avatar in metaverses could then start wearing. Exactly. And so... In this way, the brand extends their footprint, right? So the, the story as we've told it now is like, you know, again, I haven't actually invented this, nor, nor am I a particularly good cartoonist. So my raccoons would not be ones anyone would want to brand around, if, even if I did try and draw them. But suppose I created the Really Awesome Raccoons series. You know, we have 10,000 people who have collected Really Awesome Raccoons NFTs. I can then deliver to them you know, various brand extensions and reward features and so forth, right? I can, as Jerry just said, like, you know, airdrop a hat 
you know, now everyone has a raccoon hat that they can wear in the metaverse. I can even, you know, airdrop, by the way, it's sort of like email or direct deposit, you know, sort of people's crypto addresses are are recorded publicly as well. And so you can send new digital assets to them. I, you know, I could see every crypto address that has a really awesome raccoon NFT and directly send them an additional NFT for a, you know, for a metaverse hat or something like that. I could also, you know, use a retail platform to give out real physical hats, you know, and this has been done also. We've seen various brands enable holders of their NFTs to like log onto their online store and claim a free hat to have shipped to them. And so it blends the relationship between the digital and the physical, right? You can own it. You can own a hat in the metaverse that matches up with a hat that you wear around in the street. And in that way, like, you know, your attachment to the brand reinforces in both spheres. Scott, how do NFTs create value? And in particular, why do people pay potentially large amounts of money for them? And I should emphasize, you know, that 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 some NFT, you know, some NFTs people pay large amounts of money for, but many of them, in fact, I think probably by mass, the majority of them at this point are actually ones that are more like, you know, sort of relatively inexpensive collectibles. Think of them as like the types of souvenirs you might get when traveling or attending a concert or or something like that. But the key is, first of all, you know, we've talked about sort of two different categories of uses of NFTs. One of them is just as like digital deeds for ownership. And sometimes you know, people might have willingness to pay to just own something, right? If I make a cool animation and Jerry wants to support me as the creator, maybe he will, you know, buy the NFT of my animation. He becomes one of my, you know, you know, animation collectors. Uh, or similarly, you know, we've seen NFTs used associated with, you know, with various digital collectibles. And just like in other collectible categories, right, sometimes people just pay sometimes very large amounts of money to own something just for the sake of collecting it. It's rare, it's unique, and it you know sort of resonates with them. They think it's special. And so one reason is simply, you know, just like you might pay money for some other piece of property, you might pay money for an NFT because you want to own it and its associated assets. But meanwhile, in this like digital brand NFT category we've been talking about, it's a little bit like, you know, Entering into a community, right? My co-author Steve Kaczynski and I have sort of written that you know an NFT is sort of simultaneously like a membership in a community, right? You're you're sort of buying into a community or, or of brand enthusiasts, and it's also a little bit like a rewards program, right? You know, Jerry and I were talking about you, know, you can you can airdrop a hat, you can get more assets or more functionality. Maybe you get into a free concert or something by virtue of owning the NFT. So. If you have a really awesome raccoon, you know, you're you're on the ground floor of the raccooniverse. Like you're there when we launched the brand. And so you collect everything, you know, the, you know, the the first edition really awesome raccoons hat. You went to the original Rockin' Out with the Raccoons concert. Like you sort of get to be part of the brand's evolution and the community of enthusiasts that participate in that evolution and, and help guide the brand as it grows up. And so, you know, you can you can easily imagine that. At least, you know, sort of for some brands, first of all, people really want that attachment and they, and they really, you know, they, they love it. They love the aesthetic. They love, you know, sort of they, they, they are like they, they identify as a raccoon. I am in all like all in on really awesome raccoons. And moreover, you can imagine that that in the end sort of delivers lots of different forms of value over time. What, what's referred to in the NFT world as utility. Right? It's not just that you own this token for the sake of having a, an image of a raccoon, 
but rather you own this token for the whole stream of value that being in the really awesome raccoons delivers for the hats, the concerts, the community, all of these different things that you can get out of being a part of the brand. And, and what I what I would like to emphasize, I, I agree with every single point you just made, Scott, but what I'd like to emphasize where I'm seeing a lot of excitement among my clients that own established and successful brands in the physical world is the opportunities that the blockchain technology and Web3 create for usable and wearable assets yes. in virtual worlds. The interoperability is really central here, right? The, the cool thing about NFTs and, and public blockchains is that, you know, they're, they're sort of standardized software layers that many different platforms can plug into and, and work with at once. So instead of, you know, just being able to, you know, think about if you create data on a, on a web two social media platform, it just lives in the platform. It's really, it's not like the other platforms can reference and it use it here. NFTs are more like physical possessions. That digital hat is more like a physical hat in that you can wear it anywhere. You can sort of, you know, any, any sort of platform that has a way to access your NFT ownership can, you know, manifest a version of that hat. Oh, and, you know, one more riff off of Jerry's comment. Like, the other thing that's key here is that people want to bring their brand affinities into digital space, right? People are spending more and more time online, especially since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. And as a result, people care about bringing their, even their physical world affinities into digital spaces as well. And so one reason to acquire NFTs, especially from these established brands, is that you might just be a mega fan of that brand and you want to present that, you know, as you walk through di the digital world, right? You want to be showing that, you know, on social media, in metaverse platforms, maybe even in like your, your video conferencing software. And NFTs are a great way to enable that. Jerry, how might the rules governing intellectual property apply to NFTs and their associated media? It's a great question. And I think there's a very significant misconception out there. I've been seeing it in a number of commentaries that somehow we need new intellectual property rules for NFTs. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. The fundamental intellectual property rules that we've been relying for for centuries have taken us through the Industrial Revolution, the Transportation Revolution, the internet communications revolution, and they're going to take us through Web3. And the two fundamental categories of intellectual property rights that, that are really relevant in the discussion we're having are copyright and trademark. The copyright is your right to protect your creative expression from someone else copying it and making, selling something that's the same or substantially similar. And so to go back to our really awesome raccoon and the actual digital artwork that Scott created that is associated with the NFTs, that artwork is protectable as copyright. And anybody who's looking to make something that, that's the same or substantially similar is going to risk running to foul those rights. Now, this, this is a topic that gets very complicated. There are fair use rights. There are uses that are commentary and therefore transformative, and that's really worth a, a separate podcast, I mean. But I, I think that for, for here today, copyright is a very solid tool for protecting your creative.
creativity and remain so in the metaverse. Trademark is what protects all the branding activity that Scott and I have been talking about. And it's, it's fundamentally a consumer protection statute. The idea is, as, as Scott was just saying, someone who really feels brand loyalty and wants to present their relationship with the brand in a metaverse environment has the right to get something that's really associated with the brand owner and not be confused into buying something that they think is associated with the brand owner, but really isn't. That's, that's kind of trademark rights in a nutshell. And to the extent that what we're seeing now is so many NFT projects built around brand building activity, the traditional protection of trademarks to protect consumers from a likelihood of confusion continues to be a very important and valuable tool. I will say in trademark in particular, there is a concern that trademark rights might somehow undermine free speech rights under the First Amendment. And there is a case law going back over 20, over 40 years now, saying that in a piece of artistic expression like a film, you really have to meet a higher standard than just showing confusion. You have to really show that the, the use of the trademark wasn't artistically relevant or that it was willfully misleading, that it, it was something that really kind of went beyond likely to, to cause confusion. This whole concept is before the Supreme Court right now in a decision that we're, we're expecting by this summer. And so we should get some greater clarity about this. But ha having recently listened to the Supreme Court debate on this issue, it was very clear to me that in trying to define First Amendment protection, several of the judges were making a distinction between kind of pure artistic expression like artwork, movies, books, and commercial products. So I think in looking at how trademark rights are going to act within Web3 and within metaverses, I think that it's critical to understand an NFT project and the nature of it. Is it just an art-only project like the original raccoon image that Scott created? Or is it a whole series of raccoon images that a brand is being built around to create the raccoon-verse? In which case, that sounds a lot more like a, a commercial product where a more traditional approach to trademarks is appropriate. As we close out today's discussion, what are some ongoing challenges for thinking about intellectual property in Web3? Jerry, let's begin with you. My number one message to brand owners is Web3 is going to happen and your consumers are going there whether you like it or not. And you as a brand owner need to apply the same diligence that you apply to protecting your assets in the physical world to virtual worlds, or you risk losing those rights. That, that's a fundamental feature of particularly trademark law that when you don't protect your rights, you lose them. And what that means as a practical matter is making sure you have trademark registrations that cover your key trademarks in class nine, which is, is where 
NFT related products are generally registered. Just as you're currently probably policing the marketplace for infringing uses, you need to make sure that that infringing activity is also being monitored in the metaverse. And you want to be thinking creatively about the brand extension opportunities, because if you're not, there are others out there who may try and, and steal your thunder. And as you know, Jerry, just as you were saying, right, like brands have to think about their positioning in digital assets in the metaverse. And we're already seeing experimentation with all sorts of new intellectual property models around these digital assets as well. Right. We're seeing uh, some digital brand NFTs that grant their holders the right to use, you know, you know, the IP associated to the imagery they control, you know, they own. We're seeing others even that are sort of, you know, building along more like open source software-like models. And then yet others, often again, these more established brand NFT projects where the assets are really the assets alone and the IP still all resides with your with the parent brand. And so I think it's really important when you're building an NFT project to think about the, you know, sort of how the digital assets, you know, the NFTs and anything associated with them, the utility functions, you know, and all of what you're building, the identity and community features around that, how those interface with the intellectual property associated with the NFTs in the first place. You have to, you, know, you need a coherent intellectual property strategy as a brand when you go into the metaverse. Jerry and Scott, thanks for this valuable discussion today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. This was really awesome. If you have any questions for Jerry, his contact information is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with a lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.